Welcome to episode 198 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here, and this week we are bringing you two of the members of the band Julian K. Ryan and Amir are both here with us. Nice. Yeah, we had quite a fun chat with them when they played the Canes here a few weeks ago. So we'll get into that here in a little bit. We're going to talk about some some other interesting stuff as well here. I think so. Coming up. Before we get into that, as always, we are sponsored by DEB Concerts. DEB is a promoter based in the Tulsa area who brings a lot of shows to the IDL Ballroom in Tulsa. All the shows at the IDL are always hosted by Eddie Trunk as well. Coming up here in just a couple weeks, December 8th, LA Guns and Junkyard. Nice. I can't wait for that one, dude. Yeah, we've talked over and over. I said it last time I saw LA Guns, they're great, but adding Junkyard to this build just puts it over the top. Both of us are big fans, and we've never got to see them live. That's right. Junkyard will definitely get me in the building. That's right. And Grind. Yeah, Grind will be there, and recently added is a band called ODD out of Atlanta. Right on. So be looking out for that. You got four great bands that are going to kick your ass that night. So if you're in the Tulsa area, it's a Saturday night. Get your ass out there. Do it. Then rolling into 2019 in February on the 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, Saxon will be at the Ideal Ballroom. Can you believe it? I still can't. We've talked about this for several weeks now, and I still can't believe it. Have you accepted it yet? I have accepted it. (laughs) I know you have accepted Biff Byford as your Lord and Savior. Yes, that's right. My Lord and Savior, Biff Byford. That's right. I, I have led him into my heart. (laughs) <laughs> and uh so yeah at the idl i mean i can't believe it it's gonna be great um fucking saxon man what more can you say yeah can't imagine how amazing that'll be we've seen him a few times and they always kick ass wheels of steel man that's right that show will feature our good friends and down for five who are an amazing band out of tulsa that you will not want to miss as well as another great band from tulsa called mud flux right on so yeah like i said that one and the L.A. Guns Junkyard Show is hosted by Eddie Trunk. You can get any of the, any of these shows you go to at the IDO. Hit up the opening band. If you're going to L.A. Guns, hit up Grind. If you're going to Saxon, hit up Down for Fiverr Mud Flux. You save yourself a few bucks and you help them out as well. So, do it. Hit them up on Facebook. It's easy to do. That's right. Yeah, once again, thank you to DB Concerts for being a sponsor of this podcast. All right, so we are uh, actually recording this thing on location. Yes. Not really on location. It's not like we're doing anything else. (laughs) (laughs) But we just saw Phil, Philip, sorry, Philip H. Anselmo and the Illegals. Yes. Along with Child Bite, Devil Theory, and Blackthorn Elite at the 89th Street in in OKC. So... We figured, you know, hey, let's get a cup of coffee, some beef jerky, and... Knock record, this thing out. Yeah, knock this thing yeah. out, record an intro, so we don't have to do it tomorrow. Yeah, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. They were. They are. A bullet hole in the window and everything. Yeah. We thought about, let's just do it at the Circle K, and then I saw the bullet hole in the window in the car next to us, and said, no, let's go to fucking yeah. McDonald's or somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's not and say we fucking did. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so let's talk... Well, first off, we recorded a podcast with three of the four members of child bite yes that was very cool this will be the second time that child bite has been on the podcast that'll be coming up here in two or three weeks 
So be on the lookout for that. Yeah. So we saw, let's just talk about that concert since we just saw it. Definitely. We missed Blackthorn Elite because that's when we were doing the Child Bite interview. Yes. We got to see Devil Theory, band out of Oklahoma City. You know, strong, you know, groove metal. If you're a fan of Phil and Selmo, I'm sure you would dig Devil Theory. They've got that vibe going and they, you know, like a lot of bands from probably, they're probably our age, I'd guess. Guys that grew up from that area, you oh, yeah. fucking love your Pantera, your Down, your COC, whatever. How do you, how do you not? I mean, right. that stuff is, you know, ingrained in us. Yeah. And these guys definitely had the crowd into it, which I always love to see when a, when a local support act can get the crowd into it. So props to them for that. And they were followed up by Child Bite, which we'll talk about more in detail whenever we do that yes, podcast. But we've seen them now, what, is this the third time? I think this is the third time. Yeah, because we saw them twice with, with Superjoint. Yeah, I love yeah. those guys. Yeah, it's just what noise right, noise metal, noise punk, whatever you want to call it. Controlled chaos. There you go. Is really what it is. Yeah. And, and they and, and that's and that's a good thing. It's like a fucking frenzy on stage. Yes. Definitely. And it's a frenzy for your ears. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like frenzies, just don't even, yeah, get, yeah. get the fuck out. Yeah. Grab your coat that you checked at the door and get the fuck out of there. That's right. But yeah, like I said, they put on a great set, but we'll talk about that more here when we do that episode. So Philip H. and Selmo and the Illegals, what'd yeah. you think? Well... You know what I thought. It oh, was yeah. fucking cool. But well, I'm, I'm asking you for the, for the show, though, man. Come well, let's uh, mention this to anyone that hasn't been paying attention or following along. On this tour, Phil is playing two-thirds of the set as Pantera. Yeah. And that's not something he's ever done. In Never. fact, the most he's done that I know of was, you know, last time the Illegals toured two or three years what three or four years ago actually now or not i mean they've probably toured since then but the one i saw they played their domination hollow yeah set i mean not said um medley basically the end of both those songs and that's really all he was doing that show in tulsa he actually played walk which was extremely rare but because he played it because that kid yeah kid came up on that, stage that had cancer came up and played it with him you know and that made news from that tulsa show mm-hmm and actually, Hank 3 was at that show, and they played That's Super right. Joint, Fuck Your Enemy. That's right. Yeah. But I know, like, the last tour, I guess, uh, Sean from Child Bite mentioned they were playing I'm Broken. So there's, it's been here or there, but mm-hmm. there's never been more, I think, than a couple songs in a set. Yeah. So for this, you know, started making news, and then in L.A. the other night, they did a full set of it. And I saw... Not a decent amount, but I saw people bitching about it. Really? You know, just like, I don't know if this is right or what. I'm just like, what the fuck do you mean? This guy's the fucking voice of this. He's he's the fucking singer for Pantera. (laughs) He can do whatever the goddamn fuck he wants. That's right. He could go out and say, he could call the fucking, he could go on tour calling it Phil from Pantera if he fucking wants to, for all I'm concerned. Yeah. I I don't, I, I don't fucking understand some people's mentalities. I just, I don't know. Yeah. It's okay it's, for Vince Neil to get on stage because he's with the original members and just suck dick on yeah, night. Yeah, and fucking sing every vocally. other second goddamn word. Yeah, but then Phil gets on stage and performs this shit, right? And people yeah. are bitching because it's, you know, they think it's tarnishing and legacy because, you know, two of the guys died. Yep. Which isn't the case. I mean, 
him and Rex could go on tour saying Phil and Rex and Pantera playing an hour and a half of Pantera songs and they'd fill up fucking clubs across America and I'd fucking go to it. That's right. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I, again, I just don't get people. Some people just need to be smacked upside the head with a fucking gigantic orange fucking dildo. <laughs> I mean, they really do. I mean, it's just, you know, go fucking get happy somewhere. Take that shit somewhere else. Right. Too much of that shit going on. Just fucking, yeah. it, it's just, it's baffling. Yep. On the show, he does kick it off. He starts with four or five, I think, in this one he did five. Some of the shows I noticed he was doing four, but yeah, five of the the illegal songs. And we talked about the album Choosing Mental Illness as a Disorder when it came out. Yes. And, you know, it's just a great slamming, hardcore, extreme metal in your face album you know just feel just going balls to the wall basically yeah i mean if if you're into extreme metal i don't this is i mean this is a calling card for that kind of thing that's right you know he played five of those songs and they fucking kicked ass live Mm -hmm. oh yeah and and it was funny i i think probably after the third song i couldn't tell but someone must up front must have been screaming pantera or something because he said because he said you know this is phil and the illegal, this is my band, the illegals, you know, we're playing illegal songs. I'll touch on that in a bit or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm glad he fucking said it. Like not really smart ass, but more, you know, in fact, you know, just like, yes. Hey buddy, pay respect to what the fuck we're doing right here. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Because, you know, as much as I'm sure Steven Taylor and Mike DeLeon or have you say his name are all like loving playing Pantera. Obviously, they love playing their original shit, too. Yeah, the shit they wrote and recorded. But so, yeah, the the illegal stuff kicked ass, and then they jump into Pantera, and, you know, of course, the place popped off. There's people fucking, you know, crowd surfing, and it's just like an old-school club show, you know, singing along to every word. Popped off. Is that what I said? Is, Is this a metal show or a goddamn bottle of champagne? Could have been an Upon a Burning the Body show. Oh, That's man. like something they would say, you know? Popped off. I just have to give you kind of a hard time about it. <laughs> but so, yeah. So we got Mouth for War, Hellbound. Hellbound. Domination slash Hollow, the end of both those songs. Um, I'm Broken, featuring Sean Knight of Child Bite. Yes. Uh, Becoming. Becoming, yeah. Um, and they finished off with a new level. There's something else before that, though. Am I forgetting? Maybe I'm not forgetting something. Yeah, I think you got it. Okay. You said they opened Mouth for War, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you got it. Well, so they touched on every album except The Great Southern Trend Kill. Yeah. Which is kind of funny, because I was thinking about it. I'm like, when you think of the style of music that the illegals are... They could have easily got up there and played the Great Southern Trend Kill or Suicide Note Part yes. Two, and it would have just like fit perfectly with yeah. their style of metal, you know? Yeah, definitely. That that Great Southern Trend Kill is definitely the most Phil centric album, if you will. Right. If I can just make up a fucking word there. So isn't Phil centric's a good word? So isn't that kind of odd that that's the, the yeah. album they didn't touch I know on? That is kind of weird, but <laughs> hey, you know these things right. happen. But yeah, we talked to Sean Knight, and he said that. You know, he he had sang I'm Broken with him towards the end of the last time they were touring with him. Yeah. And Phil asked him to do it again this time. So that was really cool to see. They traded vocals off on that. And yeah, that that was that was the highlight of the night for sure. Yeah. 
So, I mean, like Phil said, this is one of those shows you can say I was there. So, if you weren't there, too bad for you, man. And it was the last one of the tour. Yeah. Like, they were supposed to be in Little Rock, but for some reason, the show got canceled. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, something happened. I thought Child Bite just meant that they weren't going to be there, but I guess it's the, the whole show is not going to mm-hmm. be there. But so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future, you know, Phil does something again, but I wouldn't expect it to be real soon or anything. Yeah. What's next? Generation Axe. Oh, man. A few nights ago, Generation Axe made its way to Tulsa. First off, I just want to say, you know, this is the second installment of this tour. We talked about on this podcast, the first installment like two years ago, two and a half years ago, whatever it was. And we're just like, we're going to go to that. I think it was Wichita. Yeah. We never. It was somewhere in Kansas. We're like, we're going to go to this. This is a like fucking can't miss a once in a lifetime thing. And we didn't go, and we're like, fuck it. And then, I, so I was surprised when they did a second deal of this. Oh, yeah. And the fact that we got a date, you know, just blew my mind. So I was super happy that we didn't miss that opportunity now, basically. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, I knew it was going to be long. I thought it was going to be like maybe a two-and-a-half-hour show, but it was a full three-and-a-half hours. Yeah, I thought they'd do like an intermission, but. Yeah, no intermission straight through. Like, it started pretty much on the dot at 7.30. And yeah. went till eleven o'clock, and it's if you don't like guitars or guitar solos, you would have been in hell for three and a half hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, for those who aren't familiar with Generation X, this is Steve Vai's basically creation, where it's Steve Vai, Ingve Malmsteen, Zach Wild, Nuno Betancourt, and Tosin Abasi. Yes. And then it's just them five along with a drummer and a bass player. Yep. J.P. Bouvet. Is that how you say it? I have no idea. Apparently he's a badass because everybody's talking about him. And I kind of looked him up after the fact. Yeah. And he is? Yeah. Well, there you go. But that's basically it. You got your rhythm section and then... They all all came out and did Hocus Pocus... Right, and that's how it opened. Yeah, and then all it just five of them splintered off into you know Tosin did his thing. I'll just go down the the lineup, and then we'll get into each whatever. Right, but you know Tosin did his thing, and then Nuno came and did a song with Tosin, and then and then it was Nuno's time, and he did his thing, and so forth and so on. Here comes Zach, and then you know Steve Vai and Ingve, um, and then. They came all back together at the end and did Burn by Deep Purple. They also did... Uh, they did something else, too. What the fuck did they uh, do? Frankenstein. That's right. That's right. And uh, Edgar Winter, right? Yes. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that was a cool kind of... Because I never really looked into how it was done before. I looked at videos and saw performances. Yeah. And I knew that some of them played with each other before they all... When they weren't mm-hmm. all five playing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was a cool way to do it. Like, it's just never-ending, like... Like you said, Tosin was playing, and then he did yeah. one song with Nuno. Then Nuno plays, and then he did one yeah. song with Zach, and then Zach plays, and he does a song with Steve Vai. And yeah. then Steve Vai plays, and he doesn't do a song with Ingve because Ingve is a fucking cockhead. Yes, exactly. And then Ingve plays, and then doesn't do a song with anyone because he's a fucking cockhead. <laughs> and then they all come back out, and Ingve leaves because he's a fucking cockhead. Yeah, anyway, exactly. We don't need to keep saying that. I guess. Yeah, he's a fucking prick. He sucks. <laughs> I'm fucking serious too. Well, let's just fuck. get this out of the way. <laughs> I, you know, I we know he's a fucking prick. You know, but there's a lot of people I like that are pricks, I guess, that are in music. 
the guy's fucking insanely amazing at what he does, but it's like the thing we've always talked about. It's like you can be fucking as technical as you want. If it doesn't have any fucking yeah. anything to it that means anything, you know, what heart, soul, whatever, like those other four dudes have. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I just don't give a shit. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, other than, I mean, I'm just going to say <laughs> fucked up bad shit about them. <laughs> I mean, the- all these dudes have something going on. You know, I mean, all these guys could, you know, they could headline a venue. What does Ingve do? He fucking rides around in his Ferrari. I don't, I don't know. I mean, fucking. Other than getting on a G3 or a Generation X, I mean, no, you know, oh, Ingves at Canes, yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> or the Vanguard, the Vanguard, he might get some people, but I mean, it's just, I don't know, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, and maybe it's just, you know, I, I'm, fuck that guy, man, I just don't give a fuck. Well, see, here's the thing, it's I like, never have. Like, I didn't care, so I'm just not painting. Like, I went out, I went to the bathroom, yeah, I we, went and bought a t-shirt. We went outside, we I'm fucking, hanging around, you know. you know, looking in through the door, making sure no one else is out there on the stage with him. Mm. And then, uh, the, the thing that, like, first I'm like, why, you know, I thought, okay, he'll probably go on above Zach just because of his legendary status as a guitarist. I get that. But he went on before or after fucking Steve Vai. Yeah, what the fuck and, is that all about? And I'm like, what you said at the show, it's like he probably wouldn't fucking do these tours unless he went on at the fucking end. Yeah, because he's so fucking arrogant. <laughs> and then, but this what really gets me is they're doing Frankenstein, okay? Mm, yeah. And he doesn't even fucking do it. Yeah. He wasn't even out there, I think, for any of it. Yeah, he left again. Yeah, he left while they did that. And then he comes back for Burn because he's, he's singing it. While they're playing. And he... And then, yeah, while the other guys are soloing, he fucking walks off stage because he's too fucking pompous to play a fucking rhythm part. While the other fucking three are always playing under the guy soloing, he wouldn't even fucking do that. I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. You're right. Yeah, he left the stage yeah, more than dude. once and would come back when it was time to sing her for him to solo. I'm like, that's what pissed me the fuck off. I didn't care how much of a pompous douchebag you are, but that is beyond the realm of pompous douchebag. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy, <laughs> fuck him and his fucking chains and his fucking 1981 sports car. Go eat a dick, man. Don't give a fuck. Okay, now let's talk about good stuff. Tosin Abasi, this dude's fucking insane. Yeah, like obviously all five of these guys are insane, but like when he's playing, it's like. Every other guy you can watch him play and, you know, you see them fucking doing the work, it looks like. Tosin, it's like you watch his hands and it just looks like he's fucking touching the guitar. Yeah, it's just, just kind of just like almost just like so barely e- touching. I'm like, what the fuck's he doing? How's he doing that? It's you know? so, he makes it look so easy and so light and he just, yeah, it's insane. You know, and he's got that fucking, he's got the goddamn 82 string guitar <laughs> right. and he's just fucking owning it. And I mean, yeah, that guy's nuts. I I can't fathom what he's doing or where he comes up with. Yeah, yeah. And just think, you know, this guy played the Vanguard a couple years ago when he didn't go. Yeah, remember Animals as Leaders yeah. came there. Yeah, that guy's a genius. 
Jason Carroll mentioned after he's like, does this guy just like pull apart like his kitchen table and build his fucking guitars? <laughs> Cause you know, that one looked like yeah. it was different chunks of wood. Yeah, and exactly. Just, like, it's all fat. And like you said, 18 fucking strings. Yeah, you on gotta have, you gotta have something <laughs> meaty to carry all that, yeah. all the electronics and that fucking, the huge fucking plank that's the neck. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a, just jaw dropping what that guy can do. Yeah. I'm going to say this and like, I don't give a shit what people think. And I know that people out there might think this is stupid and I don't give a shit. But I was the most excited to see Nuno Betancourt. I, I, I get that because we haven't, we just don't get to see him much. Yeah. I've only seen Extreme like three times in my life. Yeah. And I've, well, I saw a satellite party that one time. Yeah. <laughs> but. You know, I've seen Zach countless times, seen, seen Steve Vai live a few times. But yeah, so I've never seen Nuno outside of Extreme. Mm-hmm. And he even talked about that while he was playing. He's like, before I did this thing, I didn't really know what to do because I don't have, you know, stuff outside of Extreme, you know, to like go off of like these guys. But getting to see him in that room was just unbelievable to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's so... He's so technical, but he's also soulful at the same time. And, you know, he is like, he is just a fucking, a riff master. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, just the, the timing on him and, you know, he, he puts a, a certain funk element into him and it's just, you know, it's, it, it's mind numbing. And, uh, you know, the songs he did fucking take us alive I mean, goddamn. I mean, yeah, I couldn't. I that, mean, I, I knew that because I—that was great. I'd seen a video on YouTube, but yeah, I couldn't believe that. That was so cool. I'm like, that's amazing because that's a song that, like, probably me, you, and like one other dude in that theater knew. Yeah, know? exactly. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, the Nuno section of the show was just—it was stupendous. It really was. Yeah, I mean, he opens up with "Get the Funk Out" yeah. by Extreme, and he even sang it. And yes. like, see. The dude's like beyond amazing what he does, but the singer in his band, Gary Schroen, is beyond amazing what he does as well. Yeah. And for him, obviously, he's not the singer that Schroen is, but he was a great singer and he held his own and he sang that song perfectly. Yes, he did. It sounded fucking great. Yeah. And then he did a a medley of, you know, some riffs and solos that he mentioned that he had stole the idea from someone that some kid that had compiled this stuff on YouTube. Yeah. So he just stole what they had made as a compilation. Yeah. And performed it, you know, and it had Play With Me, which is one of the my favorite solos of all time. Mm-hmm. And then he played, uh, what else? I had Rest in Peace, the riff and solo from that. That was great, yeah. And then what else? Did it have Decadence Dance in it? I think. I think Towards so. the end. Yeah. And, uh, and then, like you said, a good part of Take take me alive or take us alive yeah and uh singing on that as well but yeah and then him and zach performed well, this might have been actually where they performed twice together because he yes. came out and they played the thrill is gone yeah and then later at the end of zach's they played uh, um still got the blues yeah gary moore and you know just biased because of how much i love those two guys those are my two favorite parts of the whole show oh yeah them two together you know zach singing because zach I've said this so many times and always say it like shines with the slower laid back stuff. Yeah. Well, everybody else thinks, you know, they want to fucking hear Stillborn or him, you know, play a Black Sabbath riff for 30 minutes. Yeah. 
whatever. You know, to me, it's like the Book of Shadows stuff, the the slow black label stuff, the Pride and Glory stuff. This is where he's the fucking master. Yeah, definitely. But then he comes up and plays Tony Iommi, Tony Iommi riffs for fucking 30 minutes. Yeah. And solos. Anyway, then Steve Vai comes out. <laughs> no, I'm not going to skip. <laughs> well, I mean, really, I mean... It, it, it sounds goofy, but you could. I mean, and I'm not saying that in a bad way because Zach was great. Zach is great. We all love Zach. But, you know, you're right. He he came out, started a Sabbath riff, and then off he went for like half an hour. Just nothing but soloing. And it's Generation X, so that's what it should be, I guess, you know? Yeah, but see, so he went out in the crowd, the whole thing. Everybody ate it up. See, here's the thing for me. It's like... This is one of my favorite musicians of all time, so I feel I have the right to, like, bitch for a minute. <laughs> like, it's not... I understand it's Generation X, and he's gonna solo... And he soloed, you know, for a long time on a couple of different songs, you know, which is what he should do. But everything he played outside of, like, his soloing was Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And I understand that's obviously probably his favorite band, or mm-hmm. one of them. And yep. obviously he has Zach Sabbath, but I can see Zach Sabbath. I've seen him twice. Yeah. They're fucking great and it's fucking cool, but it's like this guy has I think 15 albums if mm-hmm. I'm thinking right, maybe maybe more when you count the ones he did with Ozzy, the two Book of Shadows, Pride and Glory, and all the Black Label albums. Yeah. You telling me that he can't pick one or two songs from that and play a few riffs from well, fucking I, I mean, you know, I, No More Tears from the No More Tears album from Osmosis from you know, just a random you know, losing my mind, you know, for 30 seconds. I get your point. Everybody so, else on the go. fucking show was playing their original stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, mixed with some cover stuff. Yeah. Except for Zach. He's just fucking playing Tony Iommi's and then, you know, shredding. And yeah. They get, you know, I understand that we're not going to get, you know, full songs, which I wasn't ever expecting. I just thought you'd get some shit thrown in here or there because, yeah, you know, hey, that's what Nuno Zach. did. That's what Vi did. Yeah. But... Well, this is so what... that just annoyed the shit out of me personally. But I, I'm not saying it in a way that it wasn't good. It was fucking great. It's Zach Wilde. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, he came in the crowd and he, you know, he always does that. But this time he did it like three times. Yeah. And he went up in the fucking balcony, balcony. which is cool. You know, and then you know, uh, at the end of his set, he had right. Nuno come out. And they both went out into the crowd. Right. Then, then, then I look over. And there's Steve Vai walking down the aisle. He came in from the back and playing the Gary Moore song with him. And we were, our seats were right out in the aisle, like right on, you know. And so to have Steve Vai playing guitar. Did you say it was like two foot from you? Like a foot from me. (laughs) Like seriously. Like from, from like this. I'm not kidding you. Right. I mean, dude, I teared up. I'm not going to fucking lie and I'm not ashamed. I mean, just because I didn't, you know, I, I expected it from Zach and, you know, whatever. But just to have that guy just surprised, turn around, and that, there he is right there. Right. It just grabbed you, you know. It just got you. You know, I've listened to that motherfucker since I was 12. Yeah, especially if it's one of your favorite guitars. Yeah, it was time, just, you know? it was, a, you know, you, you I was overcome there for a minute. Right. And so uh, it was it was great. It was, it, I mean, Wow. And, you know, well, they, they finished out the song, and, man, it was awesome. <laughs> well, I remember 
last time you played the Canes, you know, you said you got up front, and even kind of that same thing, you just kind of got overwhelmed with the yeah. moment. Oh yeah, that was a whole. Steve I... I know. So <laughs> what the fuck is what the fuck is it with Steve Vai shows and me getting choked up? This guy well, can fucking touch your soul with that's his right. fucking well, music. The you know the one before I was married at the time. Uh, to an unsavory character that we don't need to go into, but it was tough times. It was especially tough times during that. And so right. when I was at that show, you know, he said something about, uh, after the first song, he said something about, you know, you know, we're all going through something. Let's just put all of our troubles behind and have a good time. Okay. And that kind of got me right there, you know. So I'm just telling you, Steve Vai's the fucking man. Yeah. And you know he will fucking he will he will make tears come out of my my tear ducts. <laughs> Do you think he's the greatest rock guitarist of all time? I mean, I say rock because we're not going to talk about like all the millions of fucking flamenco, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think he's definitely. You know, you want to sometimes you want to say Joe Satriani because he taught Steve Vai, right, and a few others. But goddamn, Steve Vai, man. Yeah. Steve, I love Satriani, but I've always loved Steve Vai a little more, you know? Mm. And, you know, I mean, that's a whole Steve other... Vai is everything that Steve <clears throat> Vai is not. He's amazingly talented and technical, but he's also got fucking feeling to his music. He's you know? got feeling, you know? So, I mean, and I don't know. That's This is a whole other podcast here. <laughs> right. A whole other episode we're getting into. Well, what'd you think? I mean, he played for the love of God. He played, yeah. uh, God, I forget what else he played, but like... It was amazing. Oh, obviously. Yeah. It was it was great. I mean, he you know, the guy is just he he just he makes that guitar talk, he makes it sing. I mean, it was uh Yeah, just the way he like moves, you know, like yeah, and his he, hands and it's just like he, he he's very <laughs> a theatrical player. He he puts yeah, a lot I mean, into it. You know, if you were at the very top of the Brady Theater, you you still felt what he was doing. That's right. Um I mean, it was just it was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I mean, after the whole whole deal, they played Frankenstein and then Burn, which, you know, Burn is one of those. You could probably say it's underrated, you know, to this newer generations, but yeah. it's like one of the best rock songs of all time. Yes, it is. By Deep Purple, because could you imagine if those guys were playing that and fucking Glenn Hughes was singing it? Oh, my God. The voice of fucking rock. The voice of the angel. That would be <laughs> That would be insane. Yeah. It was already insane enough to just think of that. Your head would fucking explode. Yeah, my head would just, yeah, it would explode. Or what's that thing you say sometimes? You'd shit out your dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, too, while my head was exploding. <laughs> That's right. There you go. So, yeah, there you go. Generation X, it's still got a bunch of dates left on this tour, so if you're in the area, do yourself a fucking favor, because it's amazing. That's right. Three That's and a right. half hours, it's worth every damn penny and every minute. and Like they mentioned at the end... You know, you people are badass. You stood up this whole show because I had actually YouTube videos I watched. People were sitting down and then stand up every once in a while. So they weren't joking. Really? Like, well, I guess it was unusual for people to stand up the whole show. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Last episode we did, you went on the rant about um, lights. Yes. Actually, at the place we just were a minute yes. ago. Yes. Nice the street. lights were great on this show. <laughs> yeah. You know, and at random shows where they're just, like, in your fucking face, you know, instead of, like, you know, accenting what, like, they should be. Yeah. But I was going to read this uh, comment that 
Kevin Williams left on our SoundCloud. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was basically about when we were talking about that. And he said, I don't mind animated screens behind the band and I don't mind colored lights shining on the band and don't mind laser shows or pyro and all of that. It makes the show more fun. But I absolutely can't stand those bright lights behind the band shining out into the crowd. Yep. It blinds the audience. Like you said, all you can see of the band is their silhouettes. No idea why some bands do this. It sucks. Which is basically what we, yeah, we were trying to yeah, say. It's I like, agree. I've seen it too. I, I've seen flashy it. lights are fucking cool, but yeah, when it's behind the band, like strobing or flashing in your fucking face, it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. I've seen it three or four times, and that's three or four times too goddamn much. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just how, it, that's how it's happened. Yeah. Yep. Well, on to. And, and thanks to, thanks to Kevin for writing in. Yeah. Well, so. Let's talk about Bohemian Rhapsody because we've both seen this. Mm-hmm. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody, of course, I'm sure you're living on a rock if you don't know, is the the, the new Queen, Queen biopic, yeah. which basically focuses on Freddie Mercury, but you know it's got some good deal of stuff about the other three. But first off, I just I'm just. <laughs> I don't want to talk bad about it because I, I liked it. It's, it's a fun movie. Well, but he, yeah, he, okay. I'm just baffled by how many people I'm seeing say, this movie's amazing. This movie's fucking phenomenal. This movie's great. I'm seeing it for the third time. This movie is this and that. Mm-hmm. This movie's going to win awards. I don't know what country you're living in, but that movie's not going to win any fucking awards except maybe acting for for Rami. You know, that's the only yeah. thing that, that I would see any kind of award. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe cinematography or something. Yeah. Well, if anyone should win an award, it's the guy that played Brian May. Jesus oh, Christ! Oh yeah, yeah, we got to get to that spot. Fucking on! It wasn't I mean, just any, like any, you. I mean, it was crazy. The look was insane enough, and then just every characteristic, the way he talked, everything—it was uncanny. I'd read a thing that he he got a perm for for that, yeah. and didn't realize that getting a perm was permanent. Like, he just thought that it was something you could, like, get rid of after you did it. Mm-hmm. So he had to, like, cut all his hair off. <laughs> God. Well, <clears throat> you know, I'll just start off by saying, you know, what we had kind of talked about before. The Live Aid reenactment was fucking phenomenal. That's right. It really was. Uh, I think they could have just... I, I will... I would have gave him my five bucks to just go in and watch that for 25 minutes. <laughs> I mean, just the everything to down to every little detail was spot on. It was uncanny. Um, definitely, you know, go YouTube it and then watch the movie. And it's just insane. And that's, and that kind of leads into the, the one thing I thought was really cool was, um, Rami Malek, I mean, he got the the mannerisms and the the stage moves down to a T, and that was really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, he had it. He had it. I mean, I think the look, you know, he doesn't really look like Freddie Mercury, so at times that was a little weird. But, you know, that's going to happen when you do these pictures. Right. You know, you're not going to find somebody that looks just like, you know, unless it's that goddamn Tupac movie. That motherfucker looks just like Tupac. It's yeah. insane. And it's like, that motherfucker's still alive. That's all I know. <laughs> so, I mean, you're not, you know. But well, the guy looked just like Brian Mayo. <laughs> yeah, or that shit, yeah. But, I mean, 
and I, I enjoyed it. I did. It was a fun movie. You know, I liked it. I, I liked it. You know, it's just one more thing that's, you know, putting rock back out there, you know? Yeah. But, you know, it's and like it's we a talked band to, that deserves to be in the spotlight. Yes, definitely. It deserves to be in the spotlight. But, you know, it's just there's some stuff that's out of whack to me and, yeah. it, it, which on a normal scale would have been fine. But the fact that, um, Brian May and Roger Taylor are exactly involved with this movie it just kind of kind of made me kind of scratch my head a bit yeah yeah because you know i mean they were like involved to the point like they were making decisions about this like they remember for those that don't remember sasha baron cohen was originally supposed mm-hmm. to play freddie mercury mm-hmm. and then he kept getting into him with with them and basically like just said i'm done i'm not doing this because he said they're making this to hollywood and to basically what it is yeah you know, and so imagine if they had done it, you know, with him the way it should have been, how amazing it would have been. But like, yeah. as a movie, I'm not saying Rami was was fucking great, but anyway, these guys have control of. Like, they fired a director last year. Whatever. I'm like, admittedly, a pretty big Queen fan. Mm-hmm. Always have been, but not to the point to where like, I'm fucking diehard. You know. Yeah. Like if if this was a movie about Guns N' Roses or Metallica, like me or you could sit there and watch it and pick out shit that's like wrong. Exactly. Just like on the drop of a hat for like two hours straight. But like as a as a you know, a mid sized Queen fan, I shouldn't be able to like spot shit while it's happening and saying that's not true. Yeah. Like they're playing fat bottom girls on their first tour. I'm like, that didn't come out until the fucking end of the seventies. What what yeah. You know, and then they're talking about We Will Rock You writing it in 1980, and that was, like, from, like, 76 or 77. Yeah. Then later on, they're like, you know, the band wasn't together for two or three years. That was was shit. never the case. They had, like, two albums in that span of time. They actually had three albums between 1980 and Live Aid. Yeah. And the whole thing about... You know, and that's all just the shit that I knew right yeah. off the top of my head as it was happening. And then yeah. so I'm like, I got to see how much of this thing's bullshit. And so I started looking it up. And of course, you knew that the the thing where they met him, you know, behind the, the gig by the van and he sang for him, that was just made up. Yeah, that Which, just felt, that, that felt corny to me, yeah. by the way. <laughs> and then the whole, the whole breakup with the rift because he was going to do a solo album and all, that was all complete bullshit. Yeah. You know, when that's the thing that bugs the shit out of me. I'm like, Brian May and Roger Taylor, like you said, are having control over this, and they're, like, making up... They're cool with them making up a rift between them and Freddie yeah. Mercury? Yeah, exactly. When there never was that's one? That's what I was like. I just... Yeah. That baffled me why they would do that. I don't know. Like, Roger Taylor had a solo album in 81. Brian May did an album in 83. So there it wasn't, like, a real thing, you know, that they yeah. didn't want him to do those solo albums, you know? But... Like you said, it's a fun movie to me. It just seemed like kind of like Rockstar, you know? Yeah. The movie with Mark Wahlberg where it was just like a fun movie about music. Yeah. Except in this case, we know the songs, you know, beforehand. And the performance by Rami, like at the at the beginning when he had the longer hair, you know, the earlier days, it was good. But then when it got to the point, you know, in the later years where he had the short hair and the mustache, mm-hmm. you know, it was dead on. Yes. Like his look. Yeah. And performance, and then of course, like you said, going at a live aid. Oh yeah, that, that was, was just crazy, unbelievable. And that's good. I was gonna say that's a. I've probably watched that live aid Queen live aid performance more than 
any live show I've ever watched in my life besides maybe Guns N' Roses, the Tokyo thing. Yeah. Or, you know, probably the Queen tribute, you know? Yeah. That they did in 91 or 92, whatever that was. Like, those are probably the three things I've watched most in my life. So, like you said, seeing this and see the way they created it was just fucking mind-blowing. And I just... That should win an award. But just like if they give out awards for sections of movies, you know? Yeah, yeah, sections <laughs> of movies. No kidding. I mean, you know what? And maybe we're the geeks, you know? Maybe well, that's the they problem. do it because, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, like, the the regular person doesn't care if they broke up for a while or not in the 80s. They just right. want a good movie. But it bugs me because yeah, people are walking away from it thinking that's thinking the truth. That, yeah, exactly. And that's fucked up. So, I, I don't know. It's, you know, what do you do? But, like you mentioned... The Mike Myers thing was great. Yes. With the, the alluding to Wayne's yeah. World. Yeah, we want a song where kids can bang their heads to in, the, yeah. in their car. And they can't do it to that song. Yeah. <laughs> and, and look what happened. Right. But yeah, so we're not saying the movie's bad. It's a fun movie. But it's just not as amazing as people are making yeah, it out to it, be. it's not going to save the world like people thought it would. Yeah. Well, let's get into this week's interview. Let's do this. We interviewed Julian Kay, Ryan and Amir, when they were in Tulsa at the Canes Ballroom on tour with Jonathan Davis. Yes. Jonathan Davis from Corns doing a solo tour. Julian Kay and Birthday Massacre were doing the whole tour as well. Ryan and Amir were both original members of Orgy as well, which most of you, I'm sure, know. Yes. And did you say, or do you did you just think, do you think... That show that we saw Orgy in Tulsa or in Claremore was one was the first show or one of their first shows. Uh, from I think most people were saying it was their first show. Wow, okay, but I I don't know that was that was a long fucking time. Like maybe first show out of California. Maybe yeah, something (laughs) like that. I could be wrong, you know. Well, I think one of them at least. Yeah, but yeah, so we saw them way back in what was that two thousand one or two? Yeah, something like that. That was a great show. The Colt Weezer Nine Point. Uh, Oleander, motherfucker. Just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, one other random thing to point out, Jonathan Davis on this tour, which, you know, neither of us are big corn fans, but like, I just thought it was fucking great that this guy's on a solo tour and playing absolutely no corn music. I know, that's that's awesome. Because you know that people are showing up to a show thinking they're going to hear some corn. Yeah, (laughs) and it's like, no, this is my solo album, you're going to listen to every bit of it, fuck off. (laughs) I love that mentality. Fucking Jonathan Davis, do you all day long? That's right. Do it. Fucking got my, I got your back. Right. And he walked by when we were doing this interview. So that was cool. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah we did the interview actually inside the main room of the Canes Ballroom, just on the bleachers and, there on the sides. Yeah, and Jonathan Davis walked by because he was getting ready to do his uh, VIP meet and greet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then seeing Julian K perform, you know, this the type of music they play, you know, to me is like something that isn't like real easy to like pull off live to where it sounds as great as an album. Yeah. And these guys did it, you know, if you know, that electronic kind of new wave, huge rock with the electronic elements added into it. Sound, you know, doesn't always come off as great live as it does recorded. And these guys pulled it off. Sounded great. That song photo Voltaire, I fucking love it. They nice. played that. And then they ended the show with, uh, Orgy, Blue Monday. Well, not technically an Orgy song, but Orgy's biggest hit, Blue Monday. Yeah. And he mentioned, mentioned, you know, we sold this place out. 
you know, with our previous band. So here's a song you might know. And <laughs> that's awesome. The crowd fucking loved it. You know they did, yeah. <laughs> so both Ryan and Amir were really cool. So yes, just, they were. Let's just get into this. Here's Ryan Chuck and Amir Durock from Julian K. see tonight it's been great it's like i mean like crowd wise has always been great responses and everything yeah. so confident that just watch okay it's fucking good. until tonight <laughs> no until no, tonight. no, no. no it, it, it's been jinx it's, yeah. been, it's been overwhelming yeah and it's been consistent it's been it's been we're doing better I mean, in terms of like we're selling so much music it's out of control we're running out where we don't we have to like our biggest problem right now is getting more crap out here it's a that's a good problem. We're getting uh, it, it. It's fantastic. Yeah. The birthday massacre shows, the Jonathan Davis shows, both been fantastic. It, you know, I noticed. Uh, you know, merch and physical seems to be. It's almost more of a thing. I, yeah, I yeah. think because it's look at our Indiegogo getting, campaigns. Yeah, it's getting taken away. It just seems like yeah. everybody's a little bit more hungry for. Yeah, for stuff you know, like we'll see local bands that have like shot glasses, and yeah, 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 flasks, and really specific stuff. Yeah. So, well, look at our Indiegogo campaigns. I mean, we were selling uh, our name in neon, you know, the graphic, yeah, actual neon signs for five hundred dollars each, and we sold out of them in minutes. Um, it's all physical stuff. Uh, our last campaign hit twenty thousand bucks in the first day. So, I mean, that's 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 a 30-day campaign. That's incredible demand for products that are made by the band that are really, you know, we put a lot of time sourcing these, the fabrics, uh, designing graphics, all this kind of stuff. So our fans are really in touch with that. And uh, we've been blown away to see that we're actually the top-selling thing on tour. On this tour has been music, which means we're getting a ton of new fans. Yeah, tons. It's been great. Do you guys enjoy open enough for someone like Jonathan Davis where it's different or even like the show you did with the Colt and Bush and Stone of Pots well to try to Jonathan's like home I mean Jonathan signed us an orgy right you know Jonathan is the first lead singer of my first band when 28 was, years ago yeah. you know so uh, we're both from Bakersfield so uh, John and Amir and I have been friends all I mean 20 years I think Amir's known Jonathan mm -hmm. or maybe longer um, so it, this is very homey for us this very much has the same feeling that Family Values had for us at Orgy. Um, so this is not an alien crowd. So these, this, these are actually people who miss Orgy. You know, they wish they wish Orgy was happening. And when we go up there and we do our thing, we do a couple little surprises, then they go, oh. And then it, it comes together and they find out how perfect it is. Well, talk about putting together the time capsule. Everything, I mean, that's a huge thing compared to what most bands do unless they're doing like a career retrospective at the we're, end of their career. We're sadists. So, yeah. <laughs> what was um, that process like for you? Well, a lot of our fans were asking for some of our early demos. And um, when we were working in the studio over the years, we used to have like whiteboards and we would, you know, always write these like tentative titles down or titles down when we we're working. And a lot of the fans would look at those old videos of us working or pictures and they'd be like, whatever happened to that song? 
or whatever happened to those early demos that you guys did or whatever happened to this, whatever happened to that, whatever, you know what I mean? And so a couple years ago, I started thinking about it and I was like, hmm, maybe we should try to do some sort of a thing where we can give everybody what they've been asking for for a long time. Yeah. And then in the process of it, Foo, our other partner in the business and studio and writing and all that, um, he and I started scouring all the hard drives that we could find started finding way more stuff. Like a lot of it, we were like, oh my God, I totally forgot about this song. This song's actually kind of cool. And so we kind of weeded through all of it and I started formulating a plan of how like each disc was going to kind of be its own thing. And it actually, I think it started as three discs and then it actually grew to four. I just remember you called me and you go, <laughs> because you can hear how he talks. He's like, Ryan, there's a lot material <laughs> he's like i don't know if three discs is enough and i'm like oh fuck he's all yeah dude it's <laughs> a lot of shit so <laughs> it's really funny it started formulating into an even bigger thing and uh, the thing that was cool was that we actually found you know basically an album's worth of music like you know full albums worth of music of songs we were all pretty pretty psyched on and thought maybe we should finish these like actually finish them for real not leave them in the state they were at because a lot of them didn't have choruses written or didn't they were missing they had a lot together but there were key elements that were missing that could make it actually like a finished studio track but none of it fit on other albums yeah so they, they got all got behind they all got left behind they're still good songs yep yeah so once we had a plan and we started working on it, it all came together very quickly. And we were able to finish all those songs, and then we were actually surprised how cohesive it kind of was, just by chance, right? And then we went and found all these old demos, remixes, rough mixes, um, a bunch of live stuff, some of which, I mean, most of which had never been released before, some really cool stuff. And so it just started to come together, and then little by little, we started formulating the idea for the package to kind of make it more of a book. We wanted it to be different than the typical just box set that everybody does or whatever. We wanted it to be something special, and uh, it worked out really well. And you know, it's like sixty-four tracks on it. It's insane. Turns out it's our top-selling independent release now. Yeah, it is. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, California Noir is really coming up hard. But Amir said something really important in the beginning, and that's our philosophy. It's what changed everything for us. And that is, why don't we do what our fans want and what we want? Why don't we, because we both kind of, we both, we come together somewhere in the middle, and our, our fans do guide and inform kind of where we're going. Because we have an idea anyways. But if you listen to your fans and you and your fans are begging you for this stuff, maybe you should fucking take a second sit down and put some effort and work into delivering them, putting smiles on their faces, you know, because to be honest, that makes us very happy too. You know, it turned out to be a fucking great project. So when there was 64, was there any, anything else? You're like, nope, that's the cutoff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, well, actually there, it, it really was very difficult to even fit what we had on the yeah. four discs. I had to There's rearrange. So much that could go yeah. There were a few things I had to rearrange to fit like, oh, we got a little room on that disc. I guess we'll put those there and I mean, it literally got that tight. So it was like, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go any further. But we did actually, because what we ended up doing on the campaign, there's so many fans that were always asking about this Transformers soundtrack that we did. It was a game score. Uh, we had had a song in the first Transformers movie, and they liked it so much that the Activision act asked us to 
um, do the score for the video game. But it was never released anywhere. Of course, it's in the game in many shapes and forms, but you can't really just listen to it. So fans have been asking for that for years, and we thought, you know what, this will be a cool stretch goal. We'll include this as a separate, it's not in the actual package, but it was limited to the campaign mostly. Um, but we included that as well. So they actually got another disc for free nice. of this entire game score. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just like, it's <laughs> crazy. On, it's an onslaught. So we've released seven discs of music in three years. Yeah. <laughs> and that was another decision that we made too. And that was, why don't we super serve our fans? Because we're known, especially from Orgy, for taking a long time. You know, it's not necessarily here and I's modus operandi, uh, but uh, Julian K. Also, you know, we went through periods where we had trouble with our business, our label situation, all kind of stuff, and stuff got delayed. And we just felt like, man, it's been too long. These fans wait forever. They just like they don't get taken care of. We're not out touring because we don't we don't know how. We don't know how to do it on our own. You know, we've never been on this completely independent type of situation. And I think we sat down and we were just like, you know, let's just let's just fucking make fuck. There's how many songs here? Let's make this a fucking double album. Let's make it all fucking amazing songs. There's no throwaway stuff. Let's fucking freak these fans out. Let's over deliver. And that that's been a, a big deal for us. We over deliver. They yeah, get the have, neon signs and the people freak the fuck out. It warms in an art little, museum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we have a little motto where we say we'll under promise and over deliver amongst ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So our under promising is something very good, but yeah. then we're going to, yeah. yeah, they're going to get that extra thing. They just go, oh, man. There's a lot to be said for that because this day and age, in the digital age, yeah. a lot of people shy away from that. You know, they're yeah. scared of releasing. Never, you know, we, we even in our packages, you know, we pack them a certain way. We pack them by hand. All, we do. We take fucking two goddamn days and we do like an Ikea worth of shit. It gets sent out to all our fans. My house gets turned upside down. But we print, you know, we wear a lot of designer clothing and shit like that. And we look at what the major like couture designers like Rick Owens or, or Comic or Sones is doing when you buy, buy a piece of clothing and it's in a really cool bag and there's a card in there and a lot of times they'll say thank you and it's signed yeah. and it's fucking bitching. And I always notice that whenever I get something cool or Amir gets something cool, we go home, we lay it on in the bed. All, all the stuff. Because you feel, this is some, someone put thought into this. Well, we did the same thing. It's just kind of a little experiment because everyone was telling us like, oh, you guys are just wasting money. You guys are like, no fans, no one cares about that. No one cares about the fabric, man. Well, guess what happened? We had a fucking, basically an organic, uh, viral social media storm when all the packages hit. Everyone did exactly what we do at home. They laid out their packages. They laid the thank you cards out on it, the envelope, uh, like in the order that we packed it. And I was like, man, you know what? Sometimes being neurotic pays off, you know, because <laughs> I'm telling them, like, foo, foo's just packed. I'm like, no, you have to do it. You have to pack them all the same way. You have to pull this out first and then this. I'm like, fuck. But when you think like some of the real major uh, merchandisers and, and artists and fashionistas, and I mean that as a compliment because I think these people are major artists as well, yeah. right? And the feeling, they're thinking about the feeling from top to bottom. Look at Apple. Look at like, you know, and I think that we're doing that as well. Like even with the discs, when you open it up and the, the way they're laid out, we, we, we take a heavy, heavy, heavy hand in designing all of it. And uh, I think that our fans, I mean, we are selling loads of physical product. You know, that's great. And we're doing downloads and all kind of stuff too, but our fans are buying our shit. I feel like we've become a bit of a, of a merchandise company as obviously we're a music company. 
we, we, we're producers and we're music writers and songwriters, but I definitely feel like we've really turned this huge corner where we produce great merchandise and our, our fans look for all of it, kind of like the changing of a season for a fashion house. You know, we come out with a new album with all these new looks and all this kind of cool stuff. They all know it's going to be well sourced. You know, Amir does a really great job. We do the same thing on tour as well. Yeah. We do the same thing on tour. We bring a lot of new stuff every, every time we go out, we try to have something new and exciting that way when they come. They're like, oh, yeah. and you can only get it out here. So you got to come to the show. Yeah. And we do, we do a lot of, we, we make a lot of things that are unique. So we will do like, you'll get a unique run of, 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 of merchandise on tour. But we'll also be running a limited edition, unique run online. And so we really, it's a very, a lot of, there's a lot of gamification going on in our, in the way we do our things. There's a lot of, it it makes it fun. You know, you'll want to come out and get it. If you, if you do VIP with us, you get like, say for this tour, the Black Labyrinth tour, you get a a black on black, uh, 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 kind of, uh, uh, matte black, uh, metal. It's really, really cool. So you pin it. So we have a collection of medals. We do so all our very medals. Basically. Oh, military yeah. Yeah. We call them the Tour of Duty medals. So <laughs> you come and do VIP, you get a Tour of Duty medal, and they're all different every yeah. tour. So then, you know, fans start showing up, and they've got each. Yeah, they've medals. got, they're going to start getting all these medals. Yeah. And, yeah, the cool thing is, too, is it lets us know, too, okay, actually, this this fan has been really, really supportive. And it's, it's one of those things, these cool special connections that we have with our fans. It's really awesome. Well, speaking of new music, I saw a few months ago one of you had said that March 2019 should be the next album. Is that still no, a timetable? We intended, we, we intended on yeah. January. Okay. Yeah, we, okay. but, but we don't know now because touring blew up for us. I mean, we just we just got so many opportunities this year. Like everything we're doing worked, um, but we intend on going home and finishing it by January. Might we be a little late? Who knows? You know, but uh, at this at this rate, we put out so much music. I feel like the only thing that's important is that it's fantastic, and that fans love it. You know, and who knows? Maybe we'll surprise people with like releasing a video and a single before they get the uh, album. You know, we're we're we take we we have a lot of fun with doing things that are unexpected. Yeah. You know, so I just thought of that. Like twenty minutes ago, <laughs> I was like, maybe we should do this. We're always we're always throwing something in, you know, curveball here and there, just to keep it interesting. And, and it's always something that just organically happens, maybe on the spot. You think of something, it's like mm, that's a good idea. Let's do that right now. Yeah, because it, it's a pretty fast-paced industry right now. I think you have to keep things continually moving and exciting, and in people's faces, you know, whether it's new music. Tours, blah blah blah, whatever. Got to keep keep that wheel rolling because people, their attention spans, you know, they're all dragged in a thousand different directions on the internet. So if you if you can keep throwing something at them that keeps them around, I think yeah, keeps them interested. We'll we'll talk about like the writing process for you guys. I mean, is there one chief writer or does it just come from every anywhere? There's there's two chief writers, Mir and I. Yeah, Um, I'm very much a singer songwriter type of dude. Like I could take a guitar down to Starbucks right now and probably make a couple bucks. Um, Amir is a very epic, like theme driven. Actually, Amir comes up with a lot of names too for stuff because he comes up with interesting words, and that will spark interest for me lyrically as well. Um, so it's very much a team like that. We know our roles very well. Um, Fu is a writer as well, but not an instigator. 
we we very much will be the instigators and we'll come up with like, okay, here's a framework for what this thing's going to be. Wouldn't be unusual for Amir to walk in with a virtually a finished track because he's a great recorder and producer. Um, it'll sound like an album thing, but with no no vocals. And he'll go, hey, here's what I'm thinking, like you know, vocal wise. And then if, if it's if it's a match, we're not, we got it. I'll come in with kind of more of a finished song idea with guitars and vocals on it. And then he'll come in and go, I'm liking this melody, and then we come up with it that way. That's typically how it ends up working. Um, we involve tons of outside writers, um, Biddy and Alex. Uh, Biddy, who's playing with us on this tour, um, have definitely uh, contributed to Harmonic Disruptor. We strategically work with people like that. Uh, it started with Chester Reddington. Um, he was a a huge, huge part of the formation of Julian K and our initial songwriting and sounds and my singing. And, and obviously we also became Dead by Sunrise with him. Um, Amir had an idea that we worked <coughs> with a bunch of DJs all around the world for We're Here With You. Um, and that was how that album kind of came about. Um, California Noir was very much driven by us. I think we turned inward again. And... Um, I think that uh, the new album actually has a lot of collaborators, some, some of which people we've worked with before, some are new. Uh, we're always open to work with people that are either in our band at the time or we have a, a lot of really close friends and family that are amazing producers, songwriters, you know, musicians, whatever. Um, and we tap into it. You know, if something comes along, a lot of they're they're all like they're almost trained now too because they'll come to us and go hey guys i got this idea i think i think this will work for what you've been talking about you know and then they'll come to us with an idea and then we'll we'll build something off that and other times it's like my friend shrews well he just happens to be in town or at my house or something i'm like let's go around and see what happens this is what i'm thinking like let's try to do something like this and we actually did a really cool song for the new album so it's always we're always open to that we like we like that. It always brings some fresh, you know, flesh, fresh blood to the whatever it is that we're doing. You know, we're, we're uh, I don't know what the word would be for that, but <laughs> I think that you would think of Julian K as me and Amir. We're kind of the glue, we're the center, we're the instigators, we're the guys who are reformed the band. Foo is a massive part of that as well. Um, but we're actually kind of an extent, we're, we're, we're really a production house. You know, we're live musicians. Um, we obviously play with different musicians, but none of these guys are kicked out of the band or anything like that. In fact, they're quite active in what we do. Um, we just uh, really, it's its we're kind of the center of this. We're the nucleus, and then we have all these different people who have both toured with us, played with us, been formal members, um, so on and so forth. I mean, Eli, our, our drummer, uh, not, not our former drummer, one of our drummers, um, is now making our clothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's of, like, so we're... He has a great clothing yeah. line. Yeah, called uh, Ghost Circus. And yeah, he's been helping me get some of our merch out of here and stuff. So every, everybody kind of helps each other. And it's the same with all the bands that we're playing with, even uh, Ghost Feeder, who's not playing tonight, but they're they're opening for us um, when we do the shows with Birthday Massacre and we're direct support. Okay. Ghost Feeder is here. Now those guys are our brothers. We've been, I actually produced and mixed their new album, uh, but we all work together, help each other. And we're all, they're all out here touring with us, even when they're not playing, they're working. It's pretty cool. Does it work the same way production-wise? Because you produced all the albums, right? Mm -hmm. Do you take input from everybody as well? Of doing course. That? Yeah, of course. Um, 
I think at the end of the day, somebody kind of has to have the final word, though. You know, there's got to be somebody who kind of says, yeah, I don't know. You know, or, no, that's horrible. Or, no, you know what, this is actually really good. And we, need to, and we might fight over it or whatever for a minute, but it's like, I think at the end of the day, that there does have to be somebody. It can't just be a bunch of chiefs when it comes to the final product i guess but everybody has a I'm, say in it i'm very comfortable as i mean really the tie you know if you got ryan in a mirror in favor of an action it's happening yeah if we're not in favor of the action it's not happening i mean we right? do and i'm yeah. i'm very comfortable bringing stuff to him and just going like is it thumbs up or thumbs down and then there's something that i'm so passionate about that i have to rework it or get or sell it to him then that means that's what has to be done to that thing to make it work you know it's not a bad thing you know, if, if I'm if I'm, if I'm passionate about something, you know, he'll listen. But I very much am comfortable coming in and going like, "Is this is this as good as I think it is, or is this really dumb?" <laughs> and he'll he'll just go, "It's dumb." <laughs> like we need to yeah. do, we need to go in a different direction. <laughs> you know, and I and I just there's but no emotion. A lot emotion, of times, I have you know? to champion you know ideas of my mine or his. Sometimes even with some of the other guys, and just be like, I'm, you know, I, I think this is good. I think we're going to have to kind of push this through, even if you guys don't really agree. Like it, yeah. But again, I think it has to come back that there has to be somebody who's got the last word. You know, and overall, we guide the whole direction of what the band is doing and what we look like, what we sound like, all of it. So, at the end of the day, it usually just comes down to one of us. Really. Well, you guys sound as a pretty heavy new wave influence, as did Orange. Like, what were some bands early on that influenced you guys? To... Most of them are pretty obvious, I think. The Cure, Depeche yeah. Mode. Uh, I mean, from the 80s stuff, New Order. Uh, uh, race cars. <laughs> I think when you mix, mix all the heavy music we came up with, too, everything from Korn to way before Korn, Metallica and Slayer and Death Angel and all the fucking heavy shit that we listen to I think you put that together with the new wave and you get orgy yeah right yeah. or you start or you get the evolution of orgy which is Julian yeah. yeah yeah it's I mean the sound of this band and orgy there's always a melting pot there's you know stuff from the 80s stuff from the 90s and stuff from the future that didn't exist and that's basically still what we're doing you know and we listen to a lot of modern music too we're always in tune with a lot of what's happening in, in modern music. I, not really pop so much, but, you know, like cool indie bands and things like that, electronic bands, rock bands. So it all, it's just kind of a big melting pot of that. Just different than what we did. <laughs> different different <laughs> mixtures, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Dead by Sunrise earlier. Was there by chance any stuff recorded with Chester's vocals that never got released? There is some, yeah. whether it will or not, I don't know. Maybe, maybe when the time is right, something happens, the album gets re-released. There's a good reason where it would actually get you know, a good, justified look. <laughs> yeah. uh, then maybe that would be the time to you know, repackage it and include some of the stuff that we have. We have some acoustic stuff that you know, was never released. Really, really cool stuff. Some shows that we did. We have live shows that were recorded. I think there were a few songs that never really got finished, but I'll, I'll be honest, I think there was really only one that had a full vocal on it. And it's actually a really good song. 
I, I would actually like to see that. See the light of day every day. Just needs to be appropriate. You know, we yeah. don't want to be. We don't want to be uh, opportunistic about it. Um, yeah. We want to do it the right way. Um, Chester did a lot for us. Yeah. He was a, a incredibly close friend. So it's just, we want to. I think. Want to right. I think we'll know when that when that is. It'll happen organically. Something will happen. And it'll feel right. It'll speak to you. Yeah. 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 Uh, but right now we're not really interested. In all right, we appreciate you guys' time. Thank you. Thank you so much, yeah. man. Appreciate you uh, coming in and yeah. doing this earlier. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, for thanks for uh, Thank working with our city. Yeah. 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 In about it's 10 minutes, our life is going <laughs> to turn upside down and blast yeah. off. There you go, Ryan and Amir from Julian K. Big thank you to Tom George from Tag Publicity. And of course, a huge thank you to Ryan and Amir for taking the time out to talk to us about all kinds of stuff. Of course, they were uh, great dudes. Yeah. So that was a really fun one. Very glad to have them on here. Look forward to see what they've got coming here in the future. Speaking of the future, hey, it's Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. That's right. Hope you have a good one. Next time you hear from us, we'll have the band Wither on this podcast. Right on. We recorded with Jeremy and Martin quite a while back, and we held this one because they announced they're doing a farewell show, and it's actually next Friday, November 30th. So if you're in the Tulsa area, be sure to get your ass out to the Vanguard. It's a great place to see a show. And it's even a greater place to see a show if you're seeing four bands that are great. That's right. And you will be because Wither, Sign of Lies, The Normandies, and Reliance Code. I mean, all four bands we've talked about multiple times because we love them all. Exactly. And sooner than that is the Cancer Sucks show. That's right. At Cane's. And is that tonight? Oh, <laughs> you're asking. <laughs> it's Wednesday night. We know that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll the, probably be tonight. The 21st. <laughs> By the time you hear this, yeah. Canesballroom.com for tickets. Or Thanksgiving sure, Eve. Yes, Thanksgiving Eve. I'm sure they'll have them at the door. Uh, cancer sucks. They've been doing this uh, the show for years. Uh, I gr- think this is the 15th or 14th. Yeah, it's anyway. great. Great cause, Toys for Tots. Um, you've got uh, Texas Hippie Coalition, Weston Horn and the Hush, uh, Grind, and the Normandies. Yeah, that's quite a diverse lineup. It is very diverse. So there's something for everybody. Exactly. Uh, Josie Scott from Sliva's hosting. That's right. That's and really they're cool. They're going to have an auction, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, like a auction, like on site. I don't know, is it silent auction or is it... You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I bet it's silent, but... Yeah. Anyway, you know, all that money goes towards the Cancer Sucks Foundation. Exactly. And I know all the ticket sales, I'm sure... I don't know if 100% of it does, but the good majority of it does. So if you go to this, you know, not only are you getting to see a great show, you're getting part of your money's going to something great, you know? That's right. Because they've been doing this, like you said, like, didn't you guys play one? We played a couple of them. Yeah, way back. Way back when like they were the early back in the day, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, like you said, Cancer Sucks, November 21st, Texas Hippie Coalition, Weston Horn. Who, those guys are really, Weston Horn and Hush. You know, the, the fuck, you know that snowball as it rolls down the hill just keeps getting bigger. Yeah, they're, they're killing it. I think that's happening. They were on Good, whatever it's called, Good Day Tulsa or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
on Monday morning. Yeah. And Gary Busey was on there with him. Hell yeah. And he was like talking to him on air and shit and like, or at least the video I saw, I don't know if it was on air, but there was a video of him talking to him. It was pretty cool. You know, coming off the hills of Robert Plant, checking him out and talking to Weston Horn. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Gary Busey, you know, and his Buseyisms. <laughs> That's right. What, what <laughs> what's sober stand for? Son of a bitch, everything's real. <laughs> God, I love the Buseyisms. <laughs> yeah. I should have went to that. He was in Tulsa Sunday mm-hmm. at Circle Cinema doing a meet and greet. And, yeah. Like, I really wanted to go to that, and then I just forgot about it. He could have hung out with his bug-eyed ass. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, get out there to Cancer Suck, support a great cause, see some great music before you hang out with family and eat a bunch of fucking food the next day. Yeah, and then, you know, get stressed out and sneak off to the bathroom and drink and talk politics and unfriend each other afterwards. <laughs> Just the, the all, all, the, all the, the great Thanksgiving traditions. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do we have anything else coming up? Well, we mentioned... The Withering View. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which will be episode 199. And episode 200 will be our friends in the band Severmind. Yes. We mentioned that before. That's coming up. We recorded that already, so it's definitely happening, folks. Nice. And then, like we said, we got Child Bite coming up, and we've got a few other things in the works that you will hear about soon enough. Hell yeah. Yeah, all this stuff. You want to hear some back episodes? You got 197 of them to dig through. SoundCloud.com backslash Thunder Dash Underground. You can also find it on TuneIn, iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, pretty much everywhere spot or podcasts are heard except for Spotify because they're douchebags and will not accept us. I finally, I don't know if I told you this, but I read a thing that said it's hard to get your podcast approved for Spotify if you play music. Oh, I see. Because. They can't, like, you know, give that artist royalties or whatever if it's yeah. part of your thing or something. So I that's why see. they. I so see. there you go. That's why we're not on Spotify. Fuck them. Who are they? Exactly. <laughs> we don't need them. You can find us like all the places we just said. By God. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow Jason on Grinder. Jesus Christ. Follow me on Let Go. Buy some of my shit. Fuck. Grinder. Get on Patreon.com. Look up Thunder Underground. We've got some cool stuff on there. Different levels that if you donate us a few bucks, you know, you get some stuff. So go look at that and see what you can get. Or you can just email us at thethunderunderground at gmail.com or go to thethunderunderground.com. We've got merch. We've got t-shirts, koozies, shot glasses, stickers, bracelets, all kinds of great stuff. And you can hear us every Monday night on 1027wsnr.com. And like I said, 197 episodes, they featured, like we mentioned, Child Bite. Steven Taylor, we just saw him tonight right. with the Illegals. He's also in Superjoint. He's been on here. Jimmy Bauer from Superjoint and Down and I Hate God's been on here. Kirk Winstein from Down and the Mighty Crowbar has been on here a couple times. Crowbar. Fat on guys from Death Angel, Battlecross, Seven Dust, Kiss, Great White, Warrant, Europe, Lillian Axe. Uh, fucking Frank Hannon from Tesla. Fuck yeah. Tommy Victor from Prong. Gosh, Megadeth. Yes. Jared James Nichols, Shooter oh, Jennings, no. uh, Lenny Lashley from Street Dogs, Ian Moore. I mean, there's something for everybody. Lenny Lashley's coming back to Tulsa. Yes. In March. 
who will be opening up the show for the Dropkick Murphys. Yes. Lily Lashley's Gang of One. So really looking forward to that as well. Fuck yeah. All right. Does that do it? I think that does it, man. All right. Once again, happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week with Wither. Until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.